of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. For purposes of this episode, Mike, Mike, and Emmy, as we do a couple times a year, recapping what happened on the Emmy stage. Uh, I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, in a moment, as we want to start off this show by apologizing our episodes are still not populating on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, We know that. We understand that. We've been in touch with Apple and SoundCloud. It's a SoundCloud issue, which is where our we upload our episodes to. That's our home base. Uh, SoundCloud is aware of the issue. They say they have all hands on deck and engineers working on it. Mike and I figure that means at least one person in a basement somewhere <laughs> is staring at a monitor, uh, probably stroking their red stapler like in Office Space. That was a joke <laughs> that Mike made. But uh, we, we're aware of the issue. Our hands are tied. We can't really do anything about it. But be sure if you haven't checked us out in a while or if you just happen to get to this one after the fact because you listen through Apple Podcasts, uh, go back and check out what we've been doing we've kept the episodes coming michael well all our apple people should feel really powerful and strong because (laughs) you know our thousands of listeners are down to hundreds this week because the apple uh you know podcasts are not going through so we feel your weight and your worth more than ever and everybody else (laughs) you make us feel you know, mostly good because we're keeping getting us sane. You're keeping us sane because if we if we had numbers that were worse than this, it would be it would be a hit to our egos. There's no doubt yeah, about it. We absolutely. we don't uh, we don't fare things. You know, with a lot of uh, resiliency, the two of us don't do mm-hmm. we? I mean, off air, we're we're a bunch of skittish messes. <laughs> we're, we're absolute messes, especially Broken during Emmy time. Of men, yeah, <laughs> yes. So, listen. I guess the the plea here, and we'll say it at the end of the show too, is if you have missed a few episodes from us, go back and listen to them because they are. Really fun. We did a whole Venice episode. Don't mm-hmm. worry, darling. Spitgate. That was vintage MMO. We did a whole episode on Barbarian, which which was a really cool horror movie, and you guys know how we love to cover that. So I felt like we had a great week last week, but yeah, maybe 40% of our audience heard it. <laughs> yeah, I, it, infuriating. But again, uh, we're doing our best there. We will be covering the Emmys show uh, that happened last night as we record this on the 13th of September, Tuesday. The Emmys, of course, were Monday the 12th. We also have some Venice news and Venice wrapping up to do as the Golden Line and other awards were announced and given out on the Venice stage, wrapping up that film festival. So a big episode for us today, but let's get into Mike, Mike, and Emmy Michael. Uh, we had the opening Keenan Thompson welcomed us, the mayor of TV. TV is all we have. He sang a, what do you call it, a melody, a montage of legally cleared TV theme songs. What did we think of the opening of the show? Well, initially I was like, oh, yay, dancing. And he wasn't <laughs> dancing much. They were saving him for the big finish. Why Why would you do a dancing intro with Keenan Thompson as your host? Unless he's going to be like, what's up with that, and do the whole you know, him yeah, Jason. which Where's, oh, that would have been great. Where's That's Jason be, Sudeikis? Easily, He's, easily a better idea than what the Emmys came up with. Yes, Sudeikis is nearby. I mean, he, he doesn't. Was in one of the skits. He doesn't have to be <laughs> coached up or you know coaxed along that far to do the what's up with that uh, dance moves. Uh, I don't think so. Put him in there. But look, it 
at the end of that whole boring ass skit, and it was boring. I didn't like I, it. I hated that opening. Yeah. You still had a very funny punchline where Keenan Thompson's in the Targaryen wig, and he doesn't move the center of his mass. He only moves from the elbows out and the knees <laughs> kneecaps down, which is a hilarious way to dance if you can dance like this. It's almost like one of those uh, giant mascots. At a mm. baseball game, but the balloon kind, not the fluffy kind that people like to have sex with. The balloon kind. Maybe <laughs> right. they like to have sex with those too, but it's the an balloon kind. To make, uh-huh. you, those are hilarious dance moves, and he killed me in that da- Daenerys uh, get up from the Unsullied. Good for So him. I guess that's that's the highlights of the show is that there was some good comedy, and how could there not be with a guy with a talent like Keenan hosting? What did you think of the show overall, Mike, as a, as a television program? Well, I tell you what, I hate commercials and I hate bad speeches. <laughs> I hate bad speeches and I hate commercials. So there's a lot of both, unfortunately. Mm. Look, it, I will I will bang the table for this until the day I die. I would rather have bad speeches that are shorter than longer bad speeches on any award show. They sure. they stuck to their guns. Yeah, this did. was 3 hours and 4 minutes long. This final award of the night for best drama series was given out at 11.01 p.m. So whatever they wanted to do, they achieved it in terms of the length of the show. Did it work with the little silly pink graphics that looked like they were from a local broadcasting channel (laughs) announcing a storm or the weather channel announcing, you know, 75 degrees, three towns over? Uh, That did not work for me at all. So whatever they were hoping to do in terms of giving the publicity to the to all the PR people involved with everybody's campaign, to all the you know managers and agents and and family members that they were trying to thank in a list, like that was a, just a puny, silly, very minuscule way to do it. That was not what I had in mind when you when when you think of a a sports show ticker or when you think of a news channel, you know, bottom line or all you know how they kind of move the box. So how would you differentiate it? Because that's kind of what I had in mind. What they did. I don't know how to make it stand out any more than have it be an actual ticker or have it be like a a kion on the bottom third. Look at man, just use some beautiful cursive lettering and have it on a right half of a screen while the person is walking up and have in big letters who you're thanking. This, you know, this award goes to, you know, the, the, the this award is dedicated to my mother and my brother and and, mm. and their names and have a beautiful cursive and have it flash along the screens, roll it like credits on the ha- right half of the screen with, again, just make the font nice. You got this little weather channel app, <laughs> bottom line, AccuWeather minute cast on the bottom here. It's absurd. It didn't it didn't fit the rest mm. of the layout at all. Uh, despite. Your take there, you are still, I think, infinitely more positive on the show overall than most people, and certainly than me. I, I, I was not great. I think the Emmys have a problem. And if you read Scott Feinberg's article, I'm, I, Mike, did you read it? I did not read it yet, no. I, I read it, and I just found myself feeling like I was at church. We're like, uh-huh, preach it. He Say it, upset. Scott. He oh, was he was upset. not happy. And I, I think the Emmys have a problem, and I think it's, you know, we're in this so-called golden age of television, but it's the same winners every year. For the same categories every year. I mean, how many times we have to say that John Oliver beat out Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert? Seven times. Is how, how many, many times? Seven, seven times. No. How many times do we have to say Succession beat out everything that it's up against, even though Better Call Saul's in its last season? You know, like it's 
the Emmys, at least at least previously, used to bend in certain ways and have surprises at the end of the day. And and I feel like in the last like five six years, it's just been business as usual. And I don't know how to fix it other than I think they got to change their categories. Well, I tell you what, I think it was kind of chalk for the big awards of the night for the most part. For the big, yeah, there were there were fun undercard wins, right? And rightful. Um, Jennifer Coolidge was an awesome moment. Where obviously the the biggest moment of the night, Cheryl Lee Ralph, which was I mean we'll get to it, but that was I mean they should have stopped the show after that, even though it was one of the first awards given out. <laughs> well, nobody's topping that speech. Let's get to it right now because yeah. yeah, comedy series categories. We'll start with those. Yes, it ends with a Ted Lasso kind of coronation for the second time in a row and Jason Sudeikis was obvious and Gene Smart was obvious and and look they're deserving these are great performances they're very funny performances I thought the second season of Hacks and yes I believe the second season of Ted Lasso was even better than the first and Brett Goldstein is an incredible supporting actor winner but the you know the funnest parts of the night were when Quinta Brunson won two. She won for writing and she won for lead actress. The the fun the best moment of the night, of course, was Cheryl Lee Ralph getting up there and singing what I researched was a song by Diane Reeves. I am an endangered species, and she sings that at the start, and then she delivers the Sermon on the Mount. I am here to tell you that this is what believing looks like. Boom, she delivers this without a pause, without a, a stumbling word, unlike us whenever we speak on a podcast. Well, that's what I mean. Like, she looked like she was legitimately overcome with emotion and, like, shocked and couldn't believe she was on the Emmy stage. And then she takes this deep breath and breaks into song. And I was, like, cringing at first because I was like, oh, God, is she going to be able to, like, what is she doing? Is she going to be able And then she belts out this beautiful song as if she's rehearsed it a billion times before under that type of scrutiny and pressure and then gives that speech. I could not believe all this was happening at a moment's notice. It was incredible. It was incredible. And, Qu- and, and you had great moments from Abbott Elementary throughout the night. You had Keenan Thompson draw attention to the fact that they used their campaign money uh, for to fund uh, underfunded schools instead of, you know, just dousing a campaign. <laughs> All this great stuff about Abbott Elementary and then Ted Lasso, best comedy of the year. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Look it. Ted Lasso is a great show, and so is Abbott Elementary. I'm on episode 10. I've been binging it. It's really fun. It's really funny. I, I haven't gotten through the, the the end of it yet, but I'm sure it's going to bring it home. Quinta Brunson's totally deserving for those two. Look, I, I happen to love Ted Lasso as well. So, I mean, yeah, you want to I have no ill argue. will towards Ted Lasso. It's just that, you know, by the time we got to the 10 o'clock hour, it was the same shows over and over again. And like that's I know that's an unfair complaint because the writers of those shows are working their asses off and they're putting their all into it. And the act like should a show be punished that it's that, you know, well rounded behind the camera and in front of it? No, obviously not. But I just think there's y- you get there's a problem here in the Emmy's well, waters, I think. I think Ted Lasso was the heavy favorite going into the night with Hacks number two. I mean, it led the noms with 20 overall. It uh, it didn't do really well at the Creative Arts Emmys. You had Barry winning three, Hacks winning two, only Murderers winning, uh, winning two there. So, like, going into the night, you saw a path forward for Abbott Elementary. And, yeah, if Abbott Elementary, which was only nominated for seven overall, yeah. if it wins more than those three, it wins writing and then the two actress categories. If it wins more than those three, my God, I think the narratives on the night are a little bit different. There's no doubt about it. That would have been the fan favorite in the room favorite because it was for each other time at one. What are you going to do, though? 
a lot of lot of names, a lot of shows uh, on the comedy and drama side, but comedy we can start there. Uh, going home, I, I think pretty much empty handed, right? Like only murders in the building, at least on the night of the Emmys program itself. Only murders in the building. I don't think won anything. Here's I don't. Barry what I'd didn't say, go though. home with anything. Yeah, here's what I'd say. Barry has won a ton for seasons one and two. Bill Hader has a whole shelf full of Emmys, so it's not like Barry hasn't won before. Uh, in terms of only murders in the building. You know, that's a fair, it's a newer show, These, but it's been, you know, you have older stars, right? So they've won their fair share of stuff before, I'm guessing. I, I don't have the stats offhand, but my guess is Steve Martin is well awarded, and so would be Martin Short. Selena Gomez probably, you know, is banging on the door in, in contention, but fine. I, I look at I get it. You're bored by Ted Lasso wins two years in a row, but it's they feel like the Golden State Warriors for me. Everybody loves them for a year, right? They play beautiful yeah. brand of basketball, and then the second year that they win, everybody's bored of them. Everybody just wants a different winner every year. You can't please. Everybody. Well, I think that's what differentiates. You're absolutely right. Everyone does want a different winner every year, and you can't please everyone. You're absolutely right, and I think that's what differentiates the Oscars from the Emmys is that you know when you have a powerhouse, when you have the Game of Thrones. It's, up until its last season, that's just going to keep doing what it's doing, and you know it's going to win. It's over and over again. That's I, I, the boredom is. I, I don't even. I don't. You know. I don't want to. It's a negative connotation when I say the boredom, but like the repetition is part of the Emmys. Yes, and look, I I think Ted Lasso season two was as good, if not better, than the first. I watched it. I think every episode three or four times. It was my happy place. Maybe I'm just that kind of guy. So this is you know. I don't like this criticism because I love Ted Lasso. So that's just where I'm at. So I'm I'm playing I'm playing defense on that and I'm not afraid of it. But I'm not to, I'm not afraid to eat like despite goalie, the fact you would say. Yeah, despite the fact that I love Abbott Elementary too. I mean that's a really fun show. Yeah, and it's good for the soul. You did not stop by it. Look at Mike, we are uh we are in a uh, really nice place with these half hour comedies or these twenty minute comedies, uh, because they are uh they are good for the soul. Abbott Elementary, really healthy to wa- watch that show. Ted Lasso, a really healthy watch psychologically. I think they both work on us that way. And I, I, I come out of this night saying I want to watch Only Murders in the Building. And I hope people want to watch Hacks because Hacks Season 2 is better than Season 1. And you wanted to watch Barry going into this, right? So yeah, I mean, these, these shows probably acquitted themselves fairly well uh, coming out. Let's talk about some uh, meta things attached to the comedic side. We'll get to the Jimmy Kimmel controversy in a second, but let's start with Only Murders in the Building. Selena Gomez, Martin Short, uh, Steve Martin all up there. They have fun banter, a fun bit. Was that them auditioning to host the Oscars? I hope so. Uh, They're using a lot of jokes from the Netflix special, Martin Short and Steve Martin. Oh, did they? Okay. Is it an audition? I think... I think Hulu would be wise and ABC would be wise to to have them in the conversation this year or at least have them in the finale because that setup, their repartee in that one presentation was easily the best of the night in my opinion. Yeah, there is a natural chemistry between the three of them. And credit, I mean, look, Steve Martin and Martin Short have been doing that forever. So credit to Selena Gomez for like finding a spot within those two. And having her time to shine, and credit to them for letting her have those moments, and obviously not getting, doing the the old boomer thing where they don't like the younger person coming in and being good. 
<laughs> no, they're, they're featuring her, and she's got she's got the perfect delivery in between them, and she's getting a lot of laughs in her own right. So uh, if the show's like that, I haven't watched a minute of that show. You've watched season one, but I come out of this uh, Emmys finally pushed over the edge and saying I got to watch Only Murders in the Building because this good. is very funny. Yeah, good. it's 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 a very it's it's quick. You'll binge it very quickly. Uh, I still I haven't gotten to season two yet, but season one you'll bench very quickly at least. Um, Good. Okay, let's talk about the controversy. Jimmy Kimmel's up there during Quinta Brunton's award speech, doing a bit that lasted from the presentation. Will Arnett drags Jimmy Kimmel out to the stage, saying that Jimmy Kimmel passed out after losing to John Oliver for the billionth time in a row. Quinta Brunson accepts her. Uh, I think it was the screenwriting one at that point. Um, oh yeah, she lost to Gene Smart. I'm saying she got two. No, I mean yeah. Abbott Elementary got just two overall. Yeah. Uh, okay. So she won for writing. Darn it. Got I should have. I should have corrected you. That's on me. My too. fault. Um, but anyway, Quinta Brunson's giving her speech, and Jimmy Kimmel's in the background on the floor the whole time. Quinta said at the post uh, Emmys at the post show press conference, she was fine with it. Jimmy Kimmel gave her her first spot on a late night talk show. Jimmy Kimmel was one of the first people to reach out to her, saying what a big fan of Abbott he wa- he was, and how he thinks it's going to be a big hit. Blah blah blah. But she also mentioned she doesn't know how the internet's going to react to it. The internet has been in a bit of an uproar. I mean, you know, we're not talking La La Land over Moonlight here or the slap, which wasn't mentioned by the way. At least, I mean, maybe once, but Bowen Yang alluded to it. But anyway, um, what do we think about the Jimmy Kimmel controversy? It's a foolish time to do a bit like that. I agree. And just at that at some point just get up and stumble away or roll roll yourself away or have Will Arnett roll him out of the way. I mean, look, Quinta Brunson is a very funny comedian. She gets doing bits. She gets what that is. She played into it too. She thanked him. Yeah. So and I mean that was great. She she understands that. The fact that he's laying right under her feet though right. is a little aggravating and that's a she's having an emotional moment there. It's not a comedic moment at a beyond a certain point. And it's, it's a momentous occasion uh, for this first time winner. And she should have, she shouldn't have a 50 year old white guy laying down in front of her trying to get laughs. Well, when you put it like that, no, I agree. (laughs) It's probably, you know, but he's, he's just hamming it up for at the same time. You're absolutely right. And I completely agree, but people are talking about it. And I know that's like a, a rough, an awful like baseline to have, but I don't know. These award shows are dying to get mentioned and getting people listening to them and getting like, if you're the Oscars, man, if you don't want the next host to mention the slap, I think that's really stupid because that's all people are going to be talking about. And you want people talking about your show, don't you? If you're dying, if you're that desperate for ratings and that hungry for eyes, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what the ratings will be. We're, we're recording this before. We, we get any sense of those, so we'll have to include that at the beginning of our next ep- episode of Oscar Race Checkpoint, even though it'll be some Emmy news. I, I don't know how this, if this is, is going to be a controversy that lasts. I just think it was in poor taste, and he could have ad-libbed the bit to get out of her way a little bit and just be off just be off center. You don't have to be center stage while she's giving the speech. Quinta Brunson did say as well in the presser that uh... – she was okay with it now. Maybe she'll wake up tomorrow and be angry about it. But she's also doing Kimmel on Wednesday. So if she feels bad about it, maybe she'll punch him in the face there. I imagine there will be a moment where Jimmy Kimmel brings it up to her during that interview on Wednesday night. I get it. He's playing for laughs. It, it's a calculated risk. and it, Sometimes the jokes backfire. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel's been been a guy unafraid to go for the joke in, in the right. past. So I get it. It's 
He feels like he's a veteran of all the award shows at this point. He can navigate them. He's trying to do something people haven't seen before. <laughs> the fact that he's pretending to be blackout drunk. And he might be throwing a bit of a, you know, it's got to be aggravating to be a daily. This is Quinta Brunson's moment. Again, I agree with everything Mike's saying. Jimmy Kimmel shouldn't have been in the shot. Jimmy Kimmel has to be outraged. Stephen Colbert has to be outraged that they do their show every night and they're forced into a category with John Oliver, who does it once a week, takes months off, and just keeps winning Emmys. Sure. Yeah, that that's a total Emmy category fraud problem. Yeah. I, would agree I mean, there's got to be... That's probably his way of protesting as well. But wrong place, wrong time. I agree. Uh, we'll move on to the variety series categories before we get into uh, the, mo- the limited series and the dramas. Talk series, like we said, already went to John Oliver. Again, sketch series, again, went to SNL, who was only up against a black lady sketch show. Only two nominees for that category. Uh, we have anything here. Lizzo winning best competition show for Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls. Anything on the variety series categories, Mike? I mean, sketch series shouldn't, I think you should leave, be there. I know it was in the short categories, and he won a performance uh, Emmy the other at the Creative Arts. Like, it doesn't make sense that you only have two nominees in sketch series. That's makes no sense silly. Yeah, I, I got to look at the category uh, parameters, I would say. I, have, I haven't watched Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls. I haven't watched any competition shows. That's not my bag, baby. But I'm, I'm glad for that speech. I'm glad that she was, you know, ruling the room. Yeah. And uh, you know, As she always does, by the way. <laughs> it was awesome. That was that was a fun moment. And she she was emotional in it. She was funny. And of course, she was, you know, that's that's what you want to see. So you get some great speeches thrown in there. John Oliver was rushed. And then he kind of had like a quick joke in there at the end. And then the Lauren stuff. I mean, he just felt like, all right, you're going to you're going to put a timer on me. You're going to put a 30. <laughs> I'm going to give the most boring, simplest speech. Oh, the pandemic was difficult. Thank you to everybody who was during the pandemic. You came together. End mm-hmm. of speech. Goodbye. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. I'm leaving. <laughs> the blue of the uh, fingerprints, I was, the blueprints, I was going to say, but the fingerprints of SNL, by the way, all over the show. Obviously, Keenan hosting Jason Sudeikis with Ted Lasso there. Kate McKinnon was there uh, with part of SNL, even though she is no longer with SNL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bowen Yang had one of the funniest jokes of the night. SNL, obviously, all over the place. Limited series, anthology, or movie categories, which I think desperately need an overhaul. But anyway, limited or anthology series went to the White Lotus. Uh, they beat out Dopesick, Dropout, Inventing Anna, Pam and Tommy. Actor went to Michael Keaton of Dopesick. Amanda Seyfried, after much ballyhoo. Seyfried, Mike. It's Seyfried. Seyfried. You're right. Silly, you're right. Silly you're right. person. Yeah, I'm How do sorry. you get her name wrong? I'm How never going to get that right. I've never gotten it right until I heard it for the 17th time. No matter. Yeah. It's just a mental block. Seyfried. Yeah. It's Seyfried. Seyfried. Anyway, Amanda Seyfried won for the drop. <laughs> no, Amanda Seyfried won for the dropout. Murray Bartlett won uh, supporting actor. Jennifer Coolidge, one of the moments of the night, winning supporting actress in that category. What do we think about the limited series, anthology, or movie categories and their winners? Well, I think I should finish watching The White Lotus. I, I kind of stopped like after <laughs> so one you, episode. So I didn't even know you watched that. You, you, you couldn't get into it? I watched one episode, and it was, everybody was just, like, the characters are very unlikable. Like, everybody okay. was a jerk to each other. I, I didn't give it a chance. I didn't watch more than one episode. I think there's only, like, six or eight. So I got to watch that. I, I, I know it was a big deal on film Twitter, and I just haven't had the time. So it's just, I'm you know, you're trying to watch 300 movies a year with everything in life and it's just hard but uh so this is a category i kind of backed away from 
I just knew I didn't watch a lot of stuff. I, I'm funny. happy. I did the exact same thing with Dopesick. I watched one episode and I just didn't get back to it, but it was fine. I liked it. I liked the one episode I watched. I just, for whatever reason, moved on. Right. I, I think the Jennifer Coolidge dancing really hard, like oh. rolling it, rolling it in place when they played the playoff music after she's like making a joke of the wait, hold on one second, wait, she hold on great. one second. That's really good. That's that's she's hilarious. She's been in yeah. this. I was kind of mad at you when you called her when you called her Stippler's mom because oh, she, she is in every Christopher Guest movie for yes. 30 I did years. That for, I mean, she she just had an interview. Uh, it wasn't that recent, like a month ago or something, where she was talking about how she embraced that role and how she ended up sleeping with a bunch of people she felt like she never otherwise would have slept with because of Stifler's mom. <laughs> like, she liked being Stifler's mom. I didn't say that to degrade her in any way. Wow. I said that as I know she, she, at least in the press, she has said she enjoyed and, and is endeared to the Stifler's mom character. I sensed a troll. No, absolutely that, no. Absolutely not. I, I would not do that to Jennifer Coolidge. No, well, no, no. Oh, good, uh, because <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge is great, and she's really effing funny in, like, everything. So the White Lotus, 20 noms on the on the total tally. I think it won the most of the evening. We'll get to that. But it definitely took HBO into the uh, top of the leaderboard and HBO Max there. Mike White winning twice in a row, forgetting to thank HBO was interesting, especially after all the WB gaffes we've seen recently. But, look, this was cool. This was some variance in the performances with uh, Keaton and Seyfried. And then uh, you get, obviously, a few uh, White Lotus wins on the, on the card there. It makes sense, that what, what we saw in limited series. So EGOT is a thing we know about, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony Award. Has there ever been a real-life person who could be responsible for EGOT wins from different actors or actresses? Because Amanda Seyfried wins for playing Elizabeth Holmes in the Emmy category. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence is scheduled to play Elizabeth Holmes in what's probably going to be Oscar-type fair at some point. That could be an Oscar contender. That could be your O and your E. Can we get an Elizabeth Holmes Tony? Do we get an Elizabeth Holmes Grammy performance? Like, is Elizabeth Holmes, who is truly one of the most audacious stories in American history, I think, certainly in American medical history, uh, can we get an EGOT performance from her dastardly deeds? I hope not, because I'm tired of that story. It's just about a liar. (laughs) It's just about a liar. Yeah. It's just the old fable about someone whose lies get out of control. Those stories just give me... They give me the heebie-jeebies. I just don't yeah. like them. After a while, I watch one in. A, I watch one once in a while. That's not a genre I love to watch, though. That really bothers me. Cause just tell the truth. Just stop it. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice if she told the truth at any point along at the way, or at least point. you know took personal accountability afterwards. But the fact that we've gotten two really strong pieces of art based on what we've seen already, and now. There's still a movie in the works, I guess. So that's right. uh, she's been Jennifer Lawrence has been attached to it. Did you watch the dropout? I can't remember. No, I haven't watched the dropout. No, watch so. it. It's good. Uh, she, I'm, she I'm is, talking hearsay. So yeah, yeah. No, All right, so I you like it. it? She is. She is. She is Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. She's. Uh, I seen very... the documentary and I just had. Uh, it just makes me. It gives me anxiety. It will. Her portrayal of Elizabeth Holmes will infuriate you. It yeah. absolutely. It's an absolutely infuriating portrayal. But that's the. That's the job, right? I mean, yeah. that's what she's Purposely. trying to do. Yep. Yeah. Great actress. 
So she deserves the win. Uh, let's get to drama series and these categories. This kind of plays back into what you're talking about. Kind of chalk here. We had Succession winning the overall. We had Matthew McFadden uh, winning supporting actor. But it wasn't like the parade for Succession that we've seen in the past. They did win uh, writing. Uh, they did not win directing. That went to Squid Game. They did not win lead actor. That went to Lee Jung Jae of Squid Game. And then we had Zendaya taking you uh, lead actress for uh, Euphoria. And one more here, Julia Gardner taking supporting actress from Ozark, which uh, I know a lot of fans are very passionate about Ozark. Mike, you're a big fan of Ozark, and Julia Gardner was a standout, right? I was happy to see her win uh, there again. I wish Ozark was more decorated for its final season, obviously. I think it's one of, if not the best show on TV. But I didn't watch this last season of Succession, so I, I probably should stop myself there. I thought the last season of Ozark was better than the last season of Succession anyway. Um, but Season two of Succession was what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about there. So that's a strange comparison, but it, I get it. I get This is what we have with the Emmys. Like see, Season yes. one's get a lot more notoriety just coming in fresh, coming in hot, coming in fresh. And then you're you have baggage for all of these shows – going back in time like succession season two was so good or season three what season are we on now anyway the latest season was very good as well and there's some great character moments i would say the birthday episode was one of my favorite i think they won for that one or too much birthday anyway it it just reminded me of that song it's my birthday and i could cry if i want to but with jeremy strong and it's so good i am a huge fan of succession again i can't blame them for picking it I think Squid Game kind of stumbled down the finish of its first season, to be honest with you, so I get why that didn't win. But I, I can't tell you if it's better than Ozark or Better Call Saul because I haven't watched those shows. I just Once I get too far away, it's very hard for me to catch up on four or five seasons of TV You know, when we're watching 300 movies a year. I just yeah, can't do that's, it. That's... It is tough to keep up with all this TV, and I like the, uh, the, the Academy president saying that we know you can't watch everything, but that's also... I mean, look, we think we ridicule the Academy of the Motion Pictures for not watching every movie that's nominated. There is no way the Academy of Television watches all these shows. No way. No way. Which is so, part of the another part of the issue I have with the Emmys overall. Right. But Zendaya winning, you know, with a year in between. So she's history making twice now for Euphoria. This is youngest, awesome. Youngest two time lead actress Emmy winner ever. And she gives a great speech. It really flowed. Uh, Lee Jung Jae gave a succinct History speech. making. First Asian actor to take home the award for best actor in a drama. Awesome Same to with see. Lee Yu Mi, who won uh, for guest actress in a drama series. She was the first Korean actress to win in that category as well. So a lot of history being made across the board here for uh, equality and representation as well. And it was, yeah, it was not a succession sweep at all in this category. The creative arts, we had five for Euphoria, five for Stranger Things on the tech side, four, like you said, the guest actress, uh, and then a couple other wins on the night uh, for stunts, etc. for Squid Game. So it was a bit more spread out down the card than we've seen perhaps in the past with uh, a few a few of these shows just dominating. Like I just feel like these, these shows dominated more in the past or back in the game of Thrones days, they dominated certainly major aspects, but succession 25 on the night, uh, euphoria, 16 noms on the night severance really was, it wasn't a player with 14 that, that I, I know maybe that has to have a second season now. So squid game did well with its 14 noms and look, the tallies at the end of this whole thing, Mike, a bit surprising, but 
not unlike what we've seen in the past. HBO Max wins 12 in terms of the primetime Emmys, and then you just have Apple, Netflix, ABC, and Hulu involved, 4, 3, 2, and 2, respectively. Overall, Emmy wins in terms of the creative arts combined with the primetimes. HBO Max wins 26. Netflix racks up and catches up there with 23. And then if you add all the Disney stuff, like Disney Plus won 9, Hulu won 8, uh, you have FX with 3, if you add that, they're close and they're atop the leaderboard. That's that's just twenty right there. I'm guessing you can tack tack on a few more. Uh, so Amazon Prime only six, but yeah, we have we have a fairly competitive overall year for the Emmys when you take in the undercard. So you mentioned primetime Emmy wins by network. ABC was the only network broadcast network cable channel mentioned everything else uh there was a streamer that won multiple the caveat there is that hbo is premium cable but broadcast network tv abc was the only one abbott elementary was the only uh show representing broadcast the one of the points scott made in his article is he is befuddled as to why network tvs continue to show their own funerals which i think is an interesting point like why is abc so desperate to hold on to the emmys why is Fox so desperate to show the Emmys when NBC has it? Why is NBC so desperate to show the Emmys when their channels don't have representation anymore in these things? And they're just, it's one big advertisement on cable for streaming networks. I tell you what, I, I do wonder if this is on a streamer and you can let these things breathe because there are so many commercials, Mike, so many, and most <laughs> of them were awful. Like it did, there wasn't like a bunch of good commercials like the Super Bowl where you're you're saying to yourself, "Oh, I'm so glad I didn't get up and mm. go pee, or I didn't go get a cookie." There was a <laughs> box of cookies and I was eating them. Like I mean, that's more frustrating to me in this day and age where I'm not used to watching network TV. It was frustrating while I was trying to watch football, but at least with football I can go back and forth to like Red Zone or something. I can't I can't watch a lot of football these days, but when I do, I like to click around right and, and channel surf have being being uh just restrained to the t- you know the to the seat and watching all these commercials was torture for me so i wonder if they put this on a streaming service at some point just let it play and then everybody can get what they want in terms of awards fans they can watch like in between interviews they can let the speeches play like if you have a three-hour show of just awards I do wonder if, 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 if that's worth it to a streamer at some point with that live event. I don't know. Probably not because now streamers are going towards ads as well. Yeah, <laughs> streaming, streaming is becoming cable. Uh, we're just never going to escape from it. Yeah, it's a good point by you. I think in the, in the meta sense, I, you know, obviously the answer to, to Scott's query there is money, clearly. And I don't know that when ABC has it, I don't think Disney cares that they're doing a three-hour broadcast and advertisement for streaming networks because obviously Disney is in that game. So uh, someone like Fox, I could see that argument standing up for someone, you know, something like Peacock. I could see NBC having that argument as well. And the show was on NBC last night. So uh, it makes sense. Television's in a weird place, man. I mean, it's, it's the golden age of TV as far as content goes, but I, I, I think this award show needs a shakeup. That's my bottom line. I don't have an answer for it. I haven't thought about a fix like I do with the Oscars, where I think about that year-round, but uh, right. this show did not do it for me. I tell you what, I, I think they made some moves in trying to make it three hours. I do wonder if the winners will eventually adapt. Like, if they employed these same changes for the next five years, and they don't 
knee-jerk, keep going back and forth to different changes every year. If they just stuck with this, like if this did better, the fact that it was a three-hour broadcast and the fact that you know you can go in for this reliable source of entertainment and maybe if it's not great, it's still good and it's still you know what you tune in for, right? I mean, you still got the big moments on the night. Look, I I wonder if eventually people deliver better speeches at a higher percentage, at a higher clip, if they know what they're supposed to do. Could be. It's an interesting theory. Yeah. Then I would argue that, I mean, are the good speeches good speeches if you don't have the bad speeches first anyway? But that's a... I guess a different conversation. Oh, you're really getting too deep on that. <laughs> no, I, I think it's obvious that the people who had something to say, Cheryl Lee Ralph had something beautiful to say, yeah. and she said it. Other people are still trying to do the same old thing and just list a group of people when you could just have that list on the side. Yeah. If you're an agent, a Hollywood agent, and you got your name in big, beautiful cursive letters on the side for for a hard moment there, what's the point? You know what? What's the big deal? They would be happy for that. And if it says, you know, if you got the big Warner Brothers logo and the big HBO Max logo on the side panel of the winner while they're walking up to the stage, you don't have to leave it up there the whole time. But just while they're walking up to the stage, there's a whole minute there where you could just show these beautiful people are, are being thanked and these companies are being thanked. Done. Show the logo. What are we afraid of? They're afraid because you put that stupid, awful graphic that's just, again, it's from, it's like a, there's a thunderstorm warning. Thunderstorm <laughs> warning. She would like to thank Ralph, Bill, Ted, and Jeffrey Bezos. What, what if, are we doing? What if the the names aren't in cursive are you still in for it because this is the, the second no, or third time i brought need up cursive letters. calligraphy <laughs> i need beautiful calligraphy Good. and i was hoping the it. line was in there so i'm glad you you confirmed that it was make it happen look at final tallies by show white lotus took five at the primetime emmys 10 overall you had ted lasso winning four last night succession three abbott elementary two but overall you had two hbo shows atop the card White Lotus with 10, like I said, and Euphoria with 6. Squid Game had 6. Uh, Adele one night only and the Beatles get back. They ruled the Creative Arts Emmys with 5 wins apiece. Stranger Things, like I said, won a whole bunch at the tech show at Crap Night, as uh, Matt uh, and Trey <laughs> of South Park said. Uh, but then you had Arcane, Succession, and Ted Lasso. Only 4 apiece there. So Succession and Ted Lasso, it's not like they ruled the whole the whole card. They did not. Well, here's another problem with uh, the – what is Arcane? It's a great question. I believe it's Netflix. I don't know. I mean, this is – yeah, it, man, this – we got to do something with the Emmys. It's, that's 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 where I'm laying this down. Something needs to be done here. Well, I think, uh, I think if it's on a streamer, that opens up a lot of possibilities. But if it's not on a streamer, I, I wonder if this format could be enhanced, 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 and then people will be happier. But I'm guessing no. I don't know. I It, it – Fixed some problems that I've had in the past, but it it yeah you were higher brought up a lot of new ones. You were higher on this presentation, I think, than uh, than certainly me. Uh, if this was the Oscars and they cut off all of the speeches really hard like this, what am I saying? What are you saying? Are you even angrier? Probably right. Yeah, I mean, getting rushing. It's a double edged sword because. 
when Ted Lasso wins, yes, every member of the writing staff and everything, they should be on stage, but it takes so long for them to get on stage that they got to be off stage within 30 seconds, which kind of ruins the, the moment. And they, you know, I, I don't know how you fix that. Well, this was 25 awards in three hours plus a governor's award. So really 26 presentations in three and hours. A bit. I mean, there was a couple of bits that Keenan did. Right. And we have 23 awards at the Oscars. They're not really doing the governor's awards presentations anymore. So you got a little more wiggle room at the Oscars, I would say, if you're if you're trying to stick to the three hours. It's it's hard. It's hard to produce one of these things. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's something that we've commented on and will continue to do so. But speaking of the Oscars and our way to the Venice Film Festival did wrap up. We can go over their winners here to wrap up this episode with the Golden Lion went to a documentary, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Michael. This is momentous. This is a big deal. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is a, a, a bio doc about Nan Golden that we had talked about being the centerpiece of the New York Film Festival. I guess we and see why. We, we mentioned IndieWire's piece on it where you know we have uh, Mr. Cohn talking about how it's a, a, a front runner in the documentary feature category. It beat the Banshees of Inisherin, Bones and All, White Noise, The Whale, The Sun, Argentina, 1985, Saint Omer, No Bears, The Eternal Daughter, Blonde, Bardo, etc. All of those were in the competition category. Tar as well, yeah. Tar, thank you. And and all the beauty in the bloodshed is the champion. This is a big deal too because of the recent track record, Mike, of the Golden Lion. So the Golden Lion, especially recently, since 2017 or so, has had pretty much a direct correlation to Oscars success and like big Oscars success at that. Yeah, the one exception was last year with Happening from France. But before that, No Man Land, Joker, Roma, Shape of Water, huge players, multi-award uh, winners at the Oscars in each case. I mean, obviously, Nomadland was a wire-to-wire winner. Six Oscar noms, three big wins in picture director, actress, Joker, 11 Oscar noms, double winner in actor and score, Roma, director, international feature, cinematography, 10 noms overall, Shape of Water, Four big wins, picture director, production design, and score 14 noms overall. Now, you get a drought after that from that woman who left in 2016 all the way down to somewhere from Sofia Coppola in 2010, but we do have a recent track record where Venice has been very predictive for Oscars. And now it kind of comes to a head because Venice being so predictive, but you're going up face to face now with the documentary feature category, which (laughs) just goes out of its way to shun the front runner every year, it seems. I mean, we've made tons of jokes about it here, but okay, certainly all the beauty and the bloodshed has to be considered the front runner of the documentary feature category at this point, right? Has to be. I think senior, the Robert Downey senior movie out of Telluride is a contender as well, as they said, I think, uh, Scott pointed out the uh, space goodnight Oppie, the space exploration mm-hmm. doc as well. I do believe we will have a very competitive race and documentary feature this year, but yes, this movie has to be the front runner. And yes, I think this film speaks to New York lifestyle. So the documentarians might all base, they might all gravitate to this film for that reason. It's also about a journalist. It's about a photojournalist who documented uh, gay subculture, LBGTQ subculture before anybody was documented, who who basically was on the front lines of the HIV AIDS virus during the 80s and 90s, who was uh, an activist and who, who talked about uh, her dealings with uh, addiction 
and that's going to be involved in this documentary as well. So you just have a lot of angles where this is just a this is just a pointed and a timely and a very important person's life finally being told. All the beauty and the bloodshed is going to be the centerpiece at the New York Film Festival for that reason, and it's the winner here at the Venice Film Film Festival for that reason. I think this is a front runner, and it might be it might be a runaway at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, can I've I, heard that. Can before. I jinx it more, Michael? <laughs> I've heard that before, Mister Rogers, Jane, Apollo Eleven, or what was that, Apollo? But this is the cool artsy pick. This is the cool documentarian pick. The documentarians should love Nan Golden. They should love her. They should love a, a tribute to her work. Right? I hope I hope you're right. But at the same time, it felt like there was something missing last year that we didn't have that documentary feature front runner that was going to be snubbed. So I'm glad at least we have something to look at with that category beforehand this year going into it. Now, I hope they don't snub it. I hope it, 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 this movie is as good as Venice says it is. And I hope that if it is, that Doc Feature does the right thing, that Branch does the right thing and lets it get nominated for a change. I, I wonder if our hearts were so guarded last year. Summer of Soul was a front runner. Was it amongst That's true. a couple of That's films true. Flea and whatnot? Yeah, I think Summer of Soul was out front and it did take it home. So it's not like it's not like they are complete monsters in the documentary film branch michael they just they just hate mr rogers that's fine they just hate mr rogers <laughs> <laughs> we do have the best actor winner as a somewhat of a surprise i would say colin farrell of the banshees of inner sharon defeats brendan frazier hugh jackman daniel jimenez uh, cacho timothy chalamet ricardo darren adam driver colin farrell seems to have been confirmed as an Oscar contender along with Brendan Fraser at this festival, Michael. Yeah, the hype, I think, would have dictated that this came down to Farrell or Fraser at the end of the day, but credit to you, Mike, for saying that you think that Brendan Fraser falls off of the lead actor category by the time Oscar noms are announced. All right, let me, let me just clarify my statement because, okay. honestly, I was seeing some very bad reviews for The Whale mixed into the good ones coming out of Venice. That has changed. We have TIFF where it is a parade of happiness and tribute, where he wins a tribute award, Brendan Fraser, and now it's a bit of a different story. He is being he is being touted as the man to beat by the likes of Scott Feinberg. So that's a little bit of different uh, scenario than coming out of Venice, where they, they've been, whatever, hit and miss a little bit, and the film is getting crushed from one angle, but it's... And then there's, like, all these poo-poo positives right where oh it's the best thing about it, it's brendan frazier but the movie's really aggravating yeah you know you get those reviews in there as well now that's the different story than the parade we're getting out of tiff so yeah brendan frazier seems to be entrenched more he's more solid now i would say probably hugh jackman is one who's wavering a little bit even though there's a lot of praise for his performance he's probably more vulnerable to me Man. i would say hugh hugh jackman in that movie the sun I was surprised at the amount of negativity that came out towards that. He's perhaps vulnerable coming out of these first yeah. two festivals. Look, oh, we haven't seen the movies yet. We're going to watch right. these movies and we're going to judge for ourselves. But Colin Farrell and Brendan Fraser, just outside looking in, they look stronger than anybody else at this moment. And then you could go down the card and say some people really impressed, like Jeremy Pope of The Inspection, the closing nighter at the New York Film Festival. He's a debut, but he's he I mean he's dazzling everybody for, for the Elegance Bratton film. Uh Song King Ho dazzled everybody at Cannes, took home the awards. 
Bill Nye's kind of a sleeper. I, I would get, I would doubt it. But you have big praise for Austin Butler and Tom Cruise on the on the back burner there. You have Christian Bale, Kelvin Harrison, Brad Pitt, Diego Calva still to come. We'll have to we'll have to let this race play out a bit. But the fact that we have two pretty solid nominees, I would say at the moment, in Fraser and Farrell, and then Hugh Jackman is kind of a a third, perhaps. That's that's coming out of the first two festivals. That's a good good deal of uh, category clarity. I would so say. you're editing your stance now to say you can see a world in which Brendan Fraser is Scott Feinberg jump out the window <laughs> naked, waving a flag for Brendan Fraser. Yeah, of course I'm going to doctor okay. what I say. I mean, Jesus, the guy's got like this track record, but he he's he's leading the parade now. What am I supposed to say? Fair when enough. our when our when our mentor, <laughs> whether he likes it or not, <laughs> and the man we follow with cult follower eyes, and he's saying he, this is the guy to beat. I can't, it's the best performance of the last five years. Or whatever he said, there was high praise from Scott Feinberg. I also saw him tweet that it seemed likely that uh, both actress categories would go to an actress named Michelle. Speaking of Yo and Williams for lead and supporting, respectively, that was Michelle Yo. Still, is that far entrenched in the lead actress category? That surprised me a little bit, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Colin Farrell, so when the Banshees won for lead actor, I in my mind was like, okay, so it's Banshees of Inisherin isn't going to win the Golden Lion, and I was like, why do I think that? Is there a correlation that the lead actor or lead actress win doesn't always cross over with the best picture win at these festivals? Or am I just making that up? Because to me, it always felt like if a film won lead actor or one lead actress, that film inevitably would not win the Golden Lion or would not win this and can. I always feel like that happens. So I was I was like, OK, let me research this to see if this is actually true. And it is. I mean, at least for Venice. The crossover between winning Best Actress or Best Actor and that film then winning The Golden Lion is extremely, extremely rare, including some shocking oversights historically. Nomadland won The Golden Lion and the Oscar Best Picture in 2020, obviously, but Frances McDormand didn't beat out Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, despite Frances McDormand beating Vanessa Kirby on the Oscar stage for her Mm -hmm. third lead actress Oscar. Joker won The Golden Lion in 2019, but Joaquin Phoenix missed out winning Best Actor at Venice to Luca Marinelli in Martin Eden, even though Joaquin won the Oscar for Best Actor in 2019. In 2014, on the Venice stage, Adam Driver and Alba Rohrwacher won the Venice Actor and Actress trophies, both for their performances in the movie Hungry Hearts, but that still wasn't enough for the jury to award that movie the Golden Lion, and instead went to a pigeon set on a branch reflecting on existence, which, to be fair, is a title which demands some sort of award, regardless of what the film actually is, so at least I get it in that circumstance. And this same thing actually happened in 2001, Luigi Locasio and Sandra Cecchiarelli won the Actor and Actress Awards both for the movie Light of My Eyes, but Monsoon Wedding was voted the Golden Lion winner. In fact, the last time the Venice jury voted a movie the Golden Lion winner and a movie housing either the Best Actor or Best Actress was 2004, when Imelda Staunton won the Volpe Cup Actress for Vera Drake, which also won the Lion, and before 2004, the last time it happened, was 1996. So there is a history here of the jury at Venice spreading out the awards like we always theorize the Academy eventually does on Oscar Sunday. It's a Dalido puzzle theory. <laughs> you hit on it. You, you got to me. How dare you call out of my vote. Twirling your mustache now. <laughs> there is... A different jury every year, so I right. guess it's, it's, it's not just an exact a common... thing, but they do the, they do it. They happen to do it every time. It's pretty they amazing. Do. 
they only have five or six awards. They want to spread the love. They don't want to give the same movie all the awards, and it, it does make some sense. Now that being said, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think a huge contender's loss here should tell you, like you're saying, like you're proving, should tell you that this film is not going to go the distance down the line. So people can overreact to this, but at the same time, you know, you got to ga- gauge these victories with a with a grain of salt on the one hand, but you got to realize the momentum they can cause with the other. So all the beauty and the bloodshed gets serious momentum. Now mm-hmm. it is the front runner. So will people reject it or accept it in that documentary branch? And I, I do think the fact that you have Colin Farrell winning this award now he's put on the pedestal. What do people think? They can reject it, or they or they could veto, or they could veto, or they could accept. So, you know, Kate Blanchett taking the lead. What does that mean? She wins over Anna De Armas, Tilda Swinton, Penelope Cruz. I mean, there are big names involved: mm-hmm. Vanessa Kirby, Laura Dern, Sadie Sink, Hong Chow, uh, Kaije Kagame of Saint Omer, Carrie Condon, Greta Gerwig, Taylor Russell, who will win another award in her own right. You got big names involved here, but Kate Blanchett takes it, and by the the hype that we covered a few episodes ago, seemed pretty obviously obvious that she would, and yeah. brings it home. What that mean? That solidifies her candidacy at the moment, doesn't it? Absolutely, I, I think she has to be at least in the conversation uh, for for lead actress. No doubt, you're absolutely right. Being crowned at Venice certainly does, you know, doesn't disqualify you, but it can certainly help you. There's no doubt about that. I just think for everyone's sake mm-hmm. they need to thank whatever god they pray to that mmo wasn't around in 2014 because can you imagine <laughs> how much i would have campaigned for a pigeon set on a branch reflecting on existence you have not seen this movie i, I don't care what that movie is that movie has been on my queue of one streaming service or another for five six years it was before we had a podcast and uh-huh. i have not gone back i'm aware of it i'm aware i'm supposed to watch it i probably would have watched it if i was still taking you know philosophy courses at school mm. but i'm probably not going to watch it now or at least and maybe i'm an idiot maybe i should right. watch it so to call call us both out for not watching that movie but the fact that you immediately are embracing it because of its title and its title only you're a sh- you're a sham you know how i you're feel fraud. about extremely long movies <laughs> that movie could be three hours of a pigeon sitting on a branch reflecting on existence and I would campaign for its right to win Best Picture. I don't care. To have the cojones to name your film that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> the things you stump for. The the uh, you're a you're a unique guy. Look, let's get back to lead actress for a second because we we got a recent track record that's very strong from Venice and these Vol- Volpe Cup winners. Penelope Cruz won it last year. Vanessa Kirby the year before. Olivia Coleman in 2018. Emma Stone in 2016. They both want, went on to win the Oscars. Uh, Kate Blanchett, she's won this before, and she was nominated for I'm Not There uh, for the, the in that performance crossed over at the Oscars in 2007. Helen Mirren for The Queen. You mentioned Imelda Staunton for Vera Drake and Julianne Moore of Far From Heaven. They all translated, car- carried on into Oscar season. Yeah, and I tell you i think i'm starting to suffer stockholm syndrome for uh these standing ovations at these film festivals <laughs> and the standing ovation records because they do mean i mean at least this year they kind of met something like yes they're obviously ridiculous and that's how we came up with the unofficial official festival standing ovation record keeper hashtag that we somebody's have somebody's got to do it 
Yeah, I mean, it is the most serious and important part of movie making. We all agree and know that. But still, yes, it's absurd. But at the same time, like, it was kind of telling because they were a harbinger of awards to come. Banshees had the second longest ovation of 13 minutes. It won multiple awards here, which was kind of record setting and precedent setting. Did it. Did it, though, because we had conflicting reports, three-minute differential on Blonde. Some people said it was 11 minutes. Some people said it was 14. Some people's heads exploded. Some people don't know how to read a watch. Some people wear a fancy (laughs) watch with with big arrows pointing in various directions, and they don't know how to read that Mm. because it's not digital. They Mm. didn't look at their phone. They're looking at a hand, an hour hand, a minute hand, which is which. They don't fucking know. They don't know how to read a watch. Nobody has a stopwatch. We really should be there. This is an embarrassing amount of discrepancy over there. Whoever's doing this. 11 and three. You can't screw it up by three minutes. That's an impossible timer, timekeeper error. Can you imagine if this all started because some guy was just like, yeah, that felt like eight minutes. (laughs) That's what they're doing. It's almost like they're not recording it. If you're off by three minutes, it's almost like you have no effing idea how long it is. Variety in the Hollywood Reporter should be ashamed of themselves. I want answers and I want names fired. And it's almost like you're just saying this was longer because you're, you're, you're declaring it to be without any real proof. Right. Exactly. And quite frankly, in this day and age, that's not good enough for us. We want proof and we want to help you get the proof. So that's why we are the unofficial official festival. That's right. Standing ovation record keepers. Um, (laughs) Back to my point, though, of getting Stockholm Syndrome. Like, Blonde was the only one that had a super long ovation that didn't win an award. I wonder if... I wonder if its placement had anything to do with it, but it's it's supposedly a tough watch. So I, I do wonder if we're coming off a couple of years in a row where kind of bummer movies win. Happening is a really strong film. I gave it a B plus this year, 88. Really strong film, going to be in my top 20. It's a bummer. Nomadland was a bummer. Venice probably wants to do something else. Now, I don't know if all the I don't know all the beauty and the bloodshed. Obviously, it's dealing with serious subject matter, but it's a But you can to get a, yeah, you can get away with that in the doc feature category, I feel like, too. As long as you okay. have like a happy a, a golden line at the end. The Banshees of Inner Sharon is by all, you know, r- reports a bummer and Blonde is a bummer. <laughs> Yeah. My God, it's going to be a rough watch. And yet, Banshees of Inisherin gets multiple awards, which is also a, a rarity, which I'll talk about in this next category for the Gold Mosella for Best Screenplay, which Banshees of Inisherin Martin McDonough wins. Yeah, we have Martin McDonough beating Noah Baumbach, Florian Zeller, Inaritu, Joanna Hogg, Todd Field. A lot of big names involved here. A lot of recent winners crossing over uh, from the Venice uh, Golden Ocella to the Oscars in recent years, like I said, from Maggie Gyllenhaal last year from The Lost Daughter to the Coen Brothers in 2018 with The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, back to McDonough when he won this award for three billboards. And he'd go on to Golden Globes, even though he didn't take home the Oscar. But we had Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope from Philomena in 2013, Peter Morgan in 2006 from The Queen, and George Clooney and Grant Heslov from Good Night and Good Luck in 2005. That's a lot of crossover in the last 15 years for a film festival, of all things. Mm -hmm. So the Golden Ocella, you know, giving it to Martin McDonough here for the Banshees of Inishir, and that means something. We've, We've already heard women talking coming out as an adapted screenplay favorite from Telluride, I believe this is not a play, The Banshees of Inisherin. This is a original uh, screenplay. For, I for think the, so for the movies. As far as I'm aware, I, so but now if I'm we wrong have about that. Please let me know, listener. 
Well, now we have two screenplay frontrunners, which is It cool. would seem that way. And, I mean, again, that history that Martin McDonough makes here, this is the first time since the Golden Ocella was brought back as an annual award in 2005 at Venice that the Golden Ocella and Golden Lion went to the same film. So you have that thing about Banshees of Inisherin being a bummer, and yet it wins multiple awards, and it's actually the first movie to win both of those awards since 2005. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking this up. I don't think... I don't think this is based on anything. Pre- this is not an adaptation. There you go. Coming out of Venice with a uh, at least one lead actor nominee possibility, probably two. Uh, at least one lead actress nominee. At least two screenplay nominees in different categories, if not front runners outright. So Venice really seems to be setting the table this year. Well, I don't know if it's setting the table for director, even though I'm very happy this man won. I hope it does. Luca Guadagnino. You know they're going to pick an Italian somewhere. Eat those kids. Eat (laughs) those kids. Bones and all (laughs) wins the Silver Lion for best director over Laura Portras of All the Beauty of the Bloodshed. Forgive me, I'm going to learn how to pronounce her name. But Mark McDonough, Joanna Hogg, Tog Field, Darren Aronofsky, Jafar Panahi, Florian Zeller, Alejandro Gonzalez, Inaritu, Andrew Dominic, Noah Baumbach, Alice Giap, of St. Omer, we have a loaded cast of directors that Luca Guadagnino beat, and, and he beat them. Now, we don't have a great track record, but we have a recent track record. Jane Campion won this award last year for Best Director. Before that, you got to go back to Martin Scorsese in 1990 for an Oscars crossover in Director of, of Coming from the Silver Lion. I'm surprised Goodfellas played Venice, but okay. I think... If Luca Guadagnino has Oscar's hopes for directing for that movie, mm-hmm. you need to play things like Venice and other film festivals first. I don't think you can drop that movie in theaters playing small or no film <laughs> right. festivals and just hope that, you know, it gains grassroots momentum. So You're right. You're right. So I think he's yeah, he's gotta get the grassroots campaign going. This is yeah. this is wise and they, they should build on that. And they should show bones and all everywhere they can. That makes sense. I, I, I don't I'm debating. Look, if I was the, the head of marketing for Bones and All <laughs> would I set up buffets at these film festivals? <laughs> With bones and all. Yeah. In them. I yeah. mean you you have funny names. Like a theme a kid's themed birthday party, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we would go. Yeah. We so. would enjoy it. Just and just have just have uh, Mark Rylance and Michael Stuhlbarg serving all the meat. <laughs> and just staring into the eyes of everyone. that Not bri- blinking, no breaking of eye contact. Just in spoonfuls of schlop going out to the... In character, yeah. they are serving all of the meat. Timothy Chalamet walking around with some indescribable red sauce around his mouth the entire time. No, he should just bite people. Yeah, but he should just bite people on the <laughs> He's shoulder. He's just biting like, people? Who's gonna, like, if he gives you a nip... I think Timothy Chalamet just bit me. Like a puppy. <laughs> like, it, it, it's always just, you know, make sure he's tested for COVID, but then he just, he just nips you on the elbow. What do you get? What are you really going to do? The man gets away with everything. He you, you remember people, that, that folklore story? Fruit. What? <laughs> remember the folklore story of Bill Murray walking up to people at Wendy's and taking a fry off their tray and being like, nobody's ever going to believe you as they eat someone's fry. And he stares. <laughs> like that could be the new age thing. Chalamet just goes around biting people. And like no one's ever going to believe you. <laughs> no one's going to ever believe. Uh, uh, and then if he, they, 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 if they do get it on camera, it's a publicity stunt. <laughs> it's hilarious. Fucker just bit my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> that 
pink-haired peach fucker. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're past an hour of runtime. It's about that time for us to unru- unravel completely. Special jury prize went yeah. to No Bears, Jafar Panahi. The Marcelo Mastriani Award went to Taylor Russell for Bones and All. I believe that's like a breakthrough or a breakout performance, right, Mike? Yeah, so this is cool. We've had some big uh, past winners uh, become stars. Mila Kunis in 2010 for Black Swan. Jennifer Lawrence in 2008 for The Burning Plane. Gael Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna for E Tu Mama Tambien back in 2001. So there's a long history here for Taylor Russell to build on and hopefully launch what's next for her and what's next for her should be stardom based on all accounts. I know she was great in Waves, so I'm saying that from my own experience, Waves, she was incredible. If she... If she delivers here in Bones and All, let's go all the way. Let's have Taylor Russell break into that category. Yeah. We love it when a, when a younger actress can be there. So that's a lot of fun. And No Bears, I mean, that's just a journey. What a journey it was for Jafar Panahi's film there, making it on the sly. Obviously, he's in prison right now. We've covered the story uh, out of Iran. This is a cool moment for him to get the special jury prize, even though he's not there to receive it. Uh, well, you know, our our th- hearts go out to him. You want to talk about a guy that's been doing this for decades hmm. under there. I mean, with with not a lot of American fanfare to his name. Go back. Like his name popped up a couple times when I was doing Venice research. Jafar Panahi. So what a what a family of filmmakers too. Yeah, really, yeah. really strong. I still say Hit the Road was one of my favorite films of last year uh, from his son. You were very so. high on it. Yeah. Yeah, go check that out, people. If you're looking for a hidden gem, I mean, it's 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 a heavy, it's heavy at times. It's funny. It's a very very much a dramedy, but it, it really worked for me. That is Venice in a nutshell, and the Emmys in a nutshell. A lot of nutshells going on in this. Uh, we will have more on TIFF. We will have more on D23. We went into. D- I mean, a quick note. Mm-hmm. There was all kinds of reports of all this confirmed stuff behind the scenes about D23, and like we got the. The sequel to like Inside Out announced, <laughs> like we, it wasn't. It was not the uh, the big explosion of news and information that p- previous D twenty threes have been, which I think was a little surprising. But we will go in depth and touch on all of that in our next Oscar race checkpoint. We have a big weekend at the movies. Mike will tell you about that. But as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts. We want to hear from you. Did you watch the Emmys? Do you have any ways in your mind that the Emmys can enhance their show? Or was this year's version better for you and your viewing? As well as, do you have any thoughts about what happened on the TIFF Awards stage? What do you think will happen with TIFF leading... TIFF award stage. Good God. It is past an hour. The Venice <laughs> award stage. Or what do you think will happen in terms of Venice setting the stage, the table for the Oscars? Let us know all that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO empire. You can, as always, leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. Whenever Apple and SoundCloud want to get their stuff together, like we said at the top of this episode, again, our apologies for Apple Podcasts kind of lagging behind there and SoundCloud apparently being responsible for it. Hopefully they get that figured out. Otherwise, I will keep sending emails to random people that I think might be able to help me. Uh, We'll see. But yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, that being said, I mean, I know you're being hard on SoundCloud right now because they're, they're kind of, it's a, been a rough week, but they, they've done a great job for us for five, six years or whatever it's been right now. We this like is the first time. We like SoundCloud, but yeah. it's also been 10 days and we pay the money, you know? So we do pay for this. So, yeah, <laughs> we would like, we like our show to be on Apple Podcasts yeah. where apparently most of our people listen. So that's right. a bummer. I don't know if like other podcast catchers are not catching this either. Right. I don't want to. 
No, good point. If you if if you know of any that we don't know of, I mean, Apple Podcast is the only one I know of right now. I've seen us on other places that I've looked up. So if we're not somewhere that you expect us to be, please do reach out and let us know. Anyway, I think it's wise to catch up on our old shows because those last two shows were really good. I thought <laughs> with yeah. uh, with the "Don't Worry, Darling" uh, Spitgate thing. I mean, the Venice basically paving the way for the end of this episode. I mean, we we did the reviewing the reviewers thing. We did like ten minutes on each major contender, uh, including the whale, the banshees, and all those receptions, white noise, etc. Bardo, and then we did. Uh, we did an episode on Barbarian, which is a lot of fun. Non-spoiler section, 20 minutes worth listening to before you go see that movie because it's a cool-ass horror movie. We haven't gotten uh, as many of those as we wanted as we want because we always want more of those. So it's mm-hmm. really fun that we got a good horror movie. What's coming next, Michael, is another huge Oscar race checkpoint. We're going to dive into the trailers for The Fablemans and Babylon. We're going to dive into the reactions coming out of TIFF for a whole nother swath of movies from Glass Onion to Weird, the Al Yankovic story, all these movies that we want to be be great, as great as people say. And then we will touch on what came out of the Disney 23, the D23 Expo there, because there was news that did come out. It sure. just wasn't as momentous as we've had in the past. So we'll Denzel a lot of didn't join the MCU. You know, Denzel is not a superhero. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> right, he right. just is one in real life. Right. And, exactly. and you know what? The Equalizer, he's pretty much a superhero in that. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. So maybe that's what they meant. Um, guys, <laughs> as always, when reality sucks, you can come cover the Venice Film Festival and the Emmy Show with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See you.